Welcome to The Leaders Who Care, a podcast powered by Dynamis Group. We are here to give the stage and support to those committed to create a positive and lasting impact way beyond the profits and margins. The leaders of the world who care for others and serve a bigger purpose. Join us on the journey of creating a better, more caring world. And now to your host, Marian Timalkov. Dear audience, what a pleasure to have you again and wish everyone happy Easter or have a, had a great time over Easter. For the ones who celebrate Easter this weekend, also wishes is such an important time to reflect. And uh, since Easter is an inspiration for the greatest care of the world, um, this is a reminder that we're on a mission to uh, bring together some of the most caring leaders from every corner of the world and um, today we had the privilege in order to welcome a returning guest, someone who is uh, an investor, a board member involved in a number of uh, um, businesses and uh, as a venture capitalist, an investor in throughout the many years, but also someone who sincerely cares how businesses are built. And um, I'd like to welcome back Patrick Flesner. Patrick, thank you so much for joining us again. Thanks, Marion. Thanks for having me again. A great pleasure. Well, we've got so many uh, um, great things happening since you uh, joined us first. But um, one of the reasons we wanted to welcome you back is uh, really the inspiration that you had for your newest book, which is The Leadership House. And uh, would love to talk about this, what inspired you to write the book and uh, um, why another book? <laughs> is it, uh, is, is it uh, a way of sharing these best practices or what, uh, what is behind it? Yeah, so the question you've been asking is also the question my wife asked me, why again? Uh, it it, it, it uh, requires a lot of hard work, efforts, long, long hours and early hours. So I think the reason for writing a book must be really compelling. Otherwise, it's, it's, it's hard to, to get to the end and, and create something meaningful. And yeah, as you know, the last time I was on your show, I presented Fast Scaling, so a book about how to actually choose the best growth strategy for a high growth business. And yeah. certainly this has to do with my in, investor background. Um, and the reason for the first book was that many founders choose the wrong growth strategy a year after you know i thought you know actually choosing the wrong growth strategy is nothing but a leadership decision you know, i'm not a, i'm not a fan of saying there are good and bad decisions i think it's always about decision making processes but the outcome that you choose the wrong growth strategy is is is, is not good and I think it has to do with leadership. So I really delve deep into, into this topic of leadership. I interviewed founders I've been working with, other founders, and asked them, you know, how do you think about leadership? And the common answer was, and, and I would be interested in understanding whether you have made the same experience. The common answer was, Patrick, leadership advice comes in piecemeal fashion. One day I hear I must be humble, uh, and strong at the same time. Next day, someone tells me I should not micromanage, but inspire and empower, full of buzzwords. 
Then Steve Jobs says, I should hire people who tell me what to do. I shouldn't tell them what to do. It's, you know, it comes in pieces. And then I thought about it. And actually, yes, I could always help my, the leaders I've been working with, give them specific advice to specific solution uh, problems. But would I be able to come up with a system that people can follow systematically to develop their leadership skills and successfully walk the leadership path? Um, and it took me certainly a long time to understand, you know, what kind of pieces should come together to create this kind of framework. But as when I saw it, I thought, okay, it's probably worth sharing again because it can help many, many leaders, not only founders out there, become more effective. And that was, for me, compelling enough to start again writing this book and maybe to, 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 to close this 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 why and how I, I started writing again a handbook like the fast scaling book but I realized we all know that storytelling is pretty powerful could I could I wrap this framework into a story that makes it even more digestible easier digestible easier rememberable um, so I, I gave it a try and wrote a story and wrapped it into the story which was actually also a lot of fun and a reason for writing a second book. Certainly seems I like to write. I like writing books. Seems I have some creative uh, uh, power in me. Huh. Oh, now I can't hear you anymore, Mayan. I love, I love the fact that when you were doing the first book, um, you basically discovered that the leaders make decisions which can lead to uh, sustainable growth or um, counterproductive growth. Yeah. And all, and you link that, what you found is something deeper, which is linked to the leadership style of, uh, of really the, the organization or the leader itself. And now you, you went to do a deeper dive now to find obviously the kind of leadership style, the type of leaders that is required in order to... Uh, So, uh, Patrick, uh, what I would like to understand a little bit more about is tell us more about the system that you've discovered. What are the, the discoveries that you've, uh, if you can summarize the, in a few words? Yeah. So I think from a leadership style perspective, for me at least, it's clear that this command and control leadership style that maybe worked 30, 20 years ago is not going to work anymore because if you want to have the best people in your team, I think you need to involve them, inspire them, motivate them, include them, just you know, commanding what to do and then controlling whether they follow through. That won't work anymore. So it's really about, I mean, Howard Bihar, who also wrote um, the praise for, for my book, calls it servant leadership. Um, I would call it maybe also inclusive leadership. Um, it's really about, about how do I develop a team that is more than the sum of, a par of the parts. And essentially, the framework, I would say, has three main topics. The first is, how do I actually build a strong team? The second topic is, how do I set up the strong team for success? And the third topic is, how do I ensure the teams execute on the plans they have. 
And in total, there are eight elements for, for this framework. And um, it's, built as a, it's, it's built as a house. So there's a foundation, there's a roof, and there are pillars. And I spent a significant amount of time thinking about whether a strong team should be the foundation or trust. And I decided that trust must be the foundation. And the reasoning behind this is that if you cannot build trusting relationships with your teams, you won't be able to build a strong team. And even if you have a team, if there is no trust, you won't see them execute. So for me, it was really about, okay, understanding the power of trust and making it this, this trust, the foundation of leadership. Wonderful. And just to your point, what precedes the trust? In other words, what are the pillars and foundations that we need to have in place to build trustful relationships? Yeah, I think I've um, thought about this a long, long time. And uh, I came up with a framework that I call respect framework. And the R in, in respect stands for relationships. Because think about it, you know, if you cannot build relationships with people you can give them the benefit of the doubt but you don't know whether you can trust them and they don't know whether you could, they can trust you so it's really about building authentic relationships and the e the, the first e is emotional intelligence how do you build real relationships you know by listening by trying to understand the other party the other person and emotional intelligence has for me two two parts it's it's one is you know active listening, being empathetic. And then the second part is, you know, working and acting on what you have learned. Uh, but essentially, not to listen, to respond, but to listen, to understand. The S is for skills. I think if, you, if people are supposed to trust you, you also need to have some skills. You don't have to be better skilled than your team members in, in their main area of expertise. But I think you should be skilled enough that you can ask the right questions and should be skilled enough from a leadership perspective. And I think that's that's what the leadership house framework is about. Um, P is for um, professionalism. I think whenever we can choose between what is right and what is wrong, let's choose for what is right. If you just do it once, choose the wrong thing and people notice, I think they won't trust you anymore. The second E is about empowering people, empowerment, and, and that's also a pillar of the leadership house. Because um, if, you, if you empower people, not only by giving them tools and resources, by also giving them power to make important decisions, you actually reinforce the trust that you have in the capabilities of your teams. And C is consistency. Yeah, we need to walk the talk and, and, and be consistent. And the final element is, is, I think, really, really important. This is transparency. I personally worked in a team where one person was not always transparent about a specific to topic. In this regard, it was, yeah, it was also about money. And I always asked myself, why is that person not transparent about this? I always had this feeling that, you know, something is wrong, something why is why is he or she hiding this and that that you know in my own experience led to the to the situation that i not fully trusted that person there was always this doubt right 
And that's the respect framework. Um, I also only touch upon, upon in the in the book, but um, that's you know for me the system I follow if I want to build trust with people. That is, sounds amazing, Patrick, and really thoughtful. And you you mentioned consistency there, which is the integrity of the leader. Uh, you talk about respect. Um, I assume you, that means also humility, right? Because if people don't have humility, um, that if people are arrogant, people don't trust arrogant people. I just found that if there's pride, if there's arrogance, at some point people will rebel and will not really, they'll find something is wrong there. So I just feel that, um, that when you say respect, that's, that, that's kind of encompassing this. Yeah, I, for, for me, it's actually also part of relationship. I mean, maybe there are people who can build authentic, great relationships with arrogant people. I cannot. <laughs> so so for, for me, it's, it's really about, you know, being also a kind person, being focused on, on, the, the, on the team, not me as the leader. It's that, that's why I also mentioned Howard Biha in terms of servant leadership, you know, we are leaders because people want to follow us, not because we have a title or a certain role, uh, but because we lead and others want to be led by us. And if you are an arrogant person, I think it's very difficult to be a strong, effective leader that others want to follow. I, you know what I found? Even arrogant people find people with humility pleasant. <laughs> when you see two, two arrogant people come together, probably that's when the wars come. You know what I mean? So it's like, uh, so I, I agree with you that sometimes better to be kind and right. In some yeah. cases, yeah, right, right is, I know you refer to this, but uh, it's important that um, you, you retain this. So this is really thoughtful. And uh, is that in the book or is it this, you have this framework separately? Because uh, that's really interesting. So um, the respect framework is also mentioned in the in the book, and it's also explained high level, but it's 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 yet I don't go deep into each letter of of the respect framework in this book yeah. because I mean I had to combine writing an exciting and thrilling story that people want to to read and follow, and not you know throw knowledge on them. Uh, so it's, it was always a kind of a balancing act. Um, but certainly the question how to build trust is so important that I wanted to, to um, also talk about it in this book. And Marian, maybe, maybe one example. I think I like this topic about arrogance. My, my neighbor, she is a teacher. And you know, leadership is not only about standard businesses or startups, right? Her director of the, the school's director... Uh, the principal, he thinks of himself as if he was a very strong leader. And she offers leadership courses to all the teachers. But she says nobody is interested in his leadership courses because nobody likes how he leads. He's very arrogant. So this is a person that calls himself a leader, but nobody's following. Yeah, this is like, you know, this guy is taking a walk in the park alone. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you, if you are a strong leader, you don't love yourself. You, fall, you don't fall in love with yourself, but you fall in love with lifting the others. 
And if you do so, they will love you. And this is where, where the magic happens. I love a great example indeed. And uh, yeah, that, that was the point of uh, being a general with no soldiers, right? Then you, you're, you people don't follow it and something is not right about your leadership or your consistency. And it's interesting. I think we have that in the spirit. We have that naturally ingrained within us. It's, it's not like you don't need to teach um, kindness or, or freedom or, or love. It's, it's really natural. It comes from yeah. within. Um, and um, talking about leadership and uh, really the, the essence here, what do you think, Patrick, is the highest level of success in leadership? Interesting question. Hmm. Probably if the team succeeds, right? Whatever the, you know, I, I'm always talking about, when I talk about team culture or culture in general, I talk about purpose. Why do we do the things we do? Vision, what do we want to achieve? Values in terms of how we want to achieve this. And then if all three things are aligned, I think we come to a team and organizational culture in which people thrive, in which, in which people can achieve the goals. But for me, the ultimate goal of leadership is to achieve results. It's, it's still about results. It can, it can be monetary results, it can be other results, non-monetary results. But leadership ultimately is also about results, not about tasks completed. So whatever the result is, the goal is, achieving the goal is probably the success. Whatever that is can also be a small goal. I love what you just said here. Um... You're talking about that the fruits, in other words, the results matter, right, at the end. Yeah. But also you're talking about how you get those results because you talked about people thriving at yeah. work, not surviving. And that's something I'm deeply passionate about. And I sincerely believe that leadership and making a positive impact, using business as a catalyst for positive impact, is go very well hand with hand. They don't go against each other. And Kerry is not a weakness, and uh, I've seen it many times. And that you just basically, after this research and years of experience, you start to see those patterns that uh, people don't follow leaders just because they call themselves a leaders. They call they follow them because of their the way their character and the results they get at the end. So you could be a kind person, or but you may not get the results. So it, it, both are important. But yeah. you may get the results, but you you how you got the results may be in a disrespectful or in a corrupt way, which is also not an example. Is that right, what you're referring to? Yeah, absolutely. So I think I, I talk about the how. So I talk about values, and values is, is one of the pillars of the leadership house. Yeah, shared values, you know, not values that we as a leader impose on, on the team and say that's that's our value, but, you know, value that are shared by the team. And I think if you don't, if the team does not agree on the core values, they will think differently about how to go about achieving the goals. And, and a common example that I always use is if there are five people in the team who embrace teamwork, and five others, you know, do not care at all. They are lonely wolves that just focus on their, uh, themselves and, and the goals they have achieved to achieve their bonuses. There is cultural misfit. And the, the result will be a dysfunctional team. 
And, th and that is why I also believe you can only be a, a strong leader and achieve results if you take care of the culture in your team. And again, now, now that I've started writing books, I already started with the third one. And because I think culture is so powerful, this one will be about culture and how you can actually, so it's a combination of change management or change leadership, if you will. And how do I create a strong company and team culture? I will get, again, write this as a story, but why? Because I think it is next to leadership, probably the most important topic if you want to create strong teams. Absolutely. And I think with the culture, I, what I see myself as a, a being privileged to talk to a lot of leaders and also companies similar to yourself and the culture is like the character of the company. So what's right. your character? So, you know, and, and this is one, something that I've noticed that when we look at leaders, we look at their character because if their character does not produce the fruits or in other words, the results, um, they may get some results, but if the character is not on point, then you find this inconsistency. And um, what I look for in, in leadership, for example, which I'd love to hear your thoughts on, um, I've seen leaders that have love, for example, um, but they may not have joy in what they do. Or I've seen leaders that may have joy, but they may not have peace in themselves. Like, you know what I mean? They're just not at peace with themselves. Uh, and so... I've seen leaders that may have some of those, but may not have patience or may not be gentle or kind or may not have faithfulness. They may not be, believe that or, or leaders without self-control. And uh, so for me, these are like really important attributes or we call them fruits of the character that when we have them all, like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, then our character can produce the results that you're talking about. I, what I love so much about discussing the leadership topic with, with also so knowledgeable people like you, Marianne, is it's just amazing. You call it, you know, fruits. Uh, um, and I have just published on i'm also a contributor to the ink magazine where I mostly write about leadership topics and i've just recently co-authored one with an um, american um, leadership expert enrique acosta and we were also on on the call together and just you know discussing what could be a great topic to to talk about that really people are really genuinely interested in and we thought about, we came to culture. We also discussed, you know, this purpose, vision, and, and values because it entails behaviors. And what you said, you know, like being humble, being self-controlled, these are all behaviors. This is at the end of the, of the chain. If you want to, want to understand why, you need to go back. You have the you have the you have the purpose purpose vision values you have, you have got this in the team and organization but actually you also have this inside the leader yeah as a leader you, you also have to start with why 
why am I the CEO? Because I like that people consider me a CEO and think that it's fancy. The society thinks this is a great guy, but actually I don't like being the CEO. I don't like leading people. I actually would love to do marketing. Why am I in this role? Only if I'm really, really happy in my role and enjoy being a leader, yeah, I can also be a strong leader. So if you will, you have this, this line, this cultural line for, for, the, for the company organization from, from purpose to, to behavior. And you have the same line also as a, as a leader, the why. What, what is my vision as a leader? What do I want to achieve? And my values, are my values aligned with the values that I have in my team? If you have both lines that say aligned, then you will have a strong outcome, a strong outcome in, in terms of a strong leader and a strong team. So if we see behavior, we should always ask, where is this coming from? Patrick, I love that topic and I'm very interested. I'm, one big thing that I, I deeply believe and I'm happy to contribute and help if needed is I'm very interested in the character of the leadership. The character is very important. And if someone, a leader's character does not have the fruits of the spirit, which I've just mentioned, uh, that means they're not consistent. There is inconsistency of their character. And um, when you, and it's very simple, when you see those fruits that, in other words, when you see people have sincere love for others, I mean, this is like when you talk about servant caring leadership, that, that's natural, right? When you see somebody have joy and, and enjoys the, what they do, and also they're not jittery, they, they have peace. They're in peace with themselves and what they do. They have patience, gentleness, you know, all of these qualities, belief, and self-control. Someone said, a person without a self-control is like a city without a wall. Everybody yeah. can attack it. So all these things are important. And when we see, and I'm not saying that every leader should have that because most of them don't. But if they do, that's when the real power comes in because you have, you can take on more, you become more responsible. And if you have the humility with that and which you should, you know, wh whoever has those uh, fruits, there'll be no law that will be uh, against them because the laws are designed for the opposite of these fruits. <laughs> so all the, all the laws of countries that are designed to, for those behaviors that are not, uh, uh, that, that do not have this um, character. And I think of all things, we all should work until the end of our lives on our character. There's no age for the character. And if I, for me, that's the highest level of success personally, because if we get the fruits of the spirit in the, in our character that I've just mentioned, um, that means that really we uh, uh, think about at the end of our lives when we have all of those we're not we're not uh, wondering why did I live we're at peace with ourselves we have love we have joy we've lived the life that was that was but in order to get to that stage we all need to look at our character and say what are the areas that I need to uh, improve and work on. Huh. What, what it, why am I not in peace with myself? Why don't I have joy here? Why 
I'm not, um, don't have patience, or why am I not in self-control, for example? And when we start working on those, consciously understand the, the reason behind, I think a lot of powerful things will happen. And that's the real uh, joy of growing. Um, and uh, yeah, the character of the leadership, but also very interesting, the character of the companies, which is the culture, what you just mentioned. Huh. But I, I, what you've just explained, I call this truth and leadership. I, I call this truth and leadership because um, I think if you have, I mean, the perfect state is you don't, well, we always, we all have to improve. So we, we have to improve. But if you are there for a reason and that is that you are, you are convinced you are at the right place at the right time um, and everything is aligned, that's, that's powerful truth and leadership. Then there are leaders from a character perspective that might have to improve and, and develop, right? And then there are two types of people. There are the ones who are willing to improve and there are the others who play, who play strong leadership and play that they are a kind person who play that they're actually interested in, in the other persons. This is not truth and leadership. And you will notice these kind of leaders if you don't, notice it immediately over time you will notice because you cannot play truth and leadership over time over years people that work closely with you will notice whether you are authentic whether you're genuine or you're playing a role uh, whatever you call it i think for me it's it's truth and leadership uh, either you are already a kind person serving others serving the team or you know that you have developed certain skills to get there, or you are one of the ones who will fail. I love that, Patrick, and you're right. We need to look at uh, what is what is the truth and what is not, and who is, uh, who. I think the truth is you say, look, I'm not there yet, but I want to get there. I think that's where the power comes in, because then it's authentic, because then people say, Oh, I understand and I accept you for the way you are, but I know you want to get better. And I've seen leaders how they get better consciously. And these are the leaders that um, I love to support and help because this, I know they're going to, because if we take care of those leaders who want to become better, not the ones who don't care or don't want to, you'll never win those unless they want to. They have to go their own journey. But the ones who do, I think is really powerful and they're open and they're genuine. I think that's where the, what you're referring to and and it's uh, probably more difficult to fake things than to do it properly <laughs> eventually it's an effort right and if you're putting that effort all the time that mask eventually you know you'll snap it you you're not because we are humans and uh, well thank you for going deeper in that topic and, and really uncovering those because this is relevant not just for the scale ups and uh, it's relevant for all businesses especially we do a lot of work around the world, but Germany has always been a, of great interest to us because I know that's your home country. And uh, one of the areas that with Anamis are really taking a deeper look is the middle-sized businesses in Germany, the middle yeah. Yeah. And uh, one of the ch major challenges that we have seen in that area and those businesses is um, several things. One of them is I, I'm passionate about how to attract and retain exceptionally gifted talent, which is very much linked to what you're just talking about, leadership leadership uh, um, house and framework, uh, the character of the leader. Um, and also 
I've seen leaders that, especially in those businesses that are very good at genius in what they do, and they've built very successful businesses in hundreds of millions, if not billions in some cases, but they're now starting to have challenges. And the challenges are very, very closely linked to the succession of their business, for yeah. example, or um, it's coming to a point where the people that um, their family may not be interested to continue that because they are too busy growing a business. Um, and uh, at the same time, if you remove the, the founder, the, the, the business might collapse because the people underneath are not ready to step up. So what would be your advice, especially to those type of businesses that are really reaching a stage where a great founder, very successful business over many years, but now they're getting a point where they're struggling to attract talent or to retain it, or they're struggling with their own succession, as a matter of fact, as founders. Yeah. So, you know, I've also got a legal history. I'm a lawyer by training and for several years I worked in M&A, VCPE, but also advised family businesses and also on, on their successions. Um, and I think it's, it's, it's difficult to say German family businesses, German Mittelstand is like X, Y, Z. They are somehow different, although I, I agree that many face similar problems. Mm -hmm. um, in, terms of, in terms of succession, I would say, you know, If you if you want to give give the the business the keys to the business to the next generation, I think you must be sure that the ones who get the keys actually want the keys. Yeah, do they want the keys? Maybe they don't want the keys. Yeah, that's that's really bad. Yeah, but if they want the keys, for what reason do they want the keys? Yeah. Do they really want to step up? Do they want to continue this? And uh, I think, and are they skilled already enough? I think most family businesses are um, well run and and help the next generation develop as leaders as well. They get a very good education, but is this all? Probably not. I've written my book because most leaders have, have uh, attended leadership courses, but still have no clue about how to lead effectively. Um, but I think that's really important understanding is, is the next generation prepared? And then family business, you also know if there are more, more trees, more you know, sisters, brothers, the more generations are involved, the more difficult it gets it also from a legal perspective. Some only want money, some want to lead the business. So it's a really complex topic, this, this succession topic in, in German family businesses. Um, but there are also advisors who, who, who focus on this. So, so to make this really a good, a good succession, but, um, I would say it's art, yeah? um, to, to, to hand over a family business to the next generation, make this in a, in a, in a wise manner. Um, but that's probably succession, probably the, the main, main everlasting topic and issue in, in, in German Mittelstand. I have a question. You said, uh, you know, that's uh, really bad if they don't want yeah. to succeed there. Why do you think it's bad? Is it necessarily everybody to uh, be interested in uh, succeeding their father? Or you know, I'm just, just thinking of holistically here, uh, of really, uh, or is it they didn't have enough time to spend with their 
own uh, family to inspire them perhaps to want to do that i mean that, that relates to our previous topic if 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 the next generation does not want to have the keys there won't be truth in leadership the, their purpose why they are there is not their deepest deepest purpose their own purpose their own desire they do it because they are the son or daughter of someone who has created a great business and i i don't think that this is enough to be become a a, a, a strong effective leader because you don't enjoy what you're doing then and maybe then is it a bad thing there may be a good thing because if you know if if that's the the if they are interested in doing it then um, of course that's the freedom the will and maybe the founder will find a professional or other types of uh, succession versus the in their own family i think that that would be wise yeah so you you see pe businesses buying family businesses uh, you you can you can see management buyouts management buy-ins all this is possible but i think also from 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 the founder's perspective who has created a great german family business what what is your goal your your goal is probably to see your your business thrive throughout the next generations and if it's probably very hard to be to 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 understand and and become aware that maybe your children are not the right ones to drive the business further but if 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 it might be the right decision for for the business to 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 give it to someone else and and um yeah and sell the business but you know as i said that is really something that every business must 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 figure out um, every family yeah thank you patrick it's been really uh, insightful and uh, um just to wrap it up around uh, regardless of the family connections but generally speaking across uh, any types of business any types of leadership um have you noticed a direct correlation between the um leader the type of leaders and really the performance and the, the talent and retention uh, as well the, the two separate topics you can attract great leaders but they might not stay there if they don't see um the truth as you say the consistency in in that um what is your take on this uh is that a prerequisite for leaders to grow and evolve if they want to attract and retain exceptionally gifted talent yeah i've i've uh, been in an environment where a uh, supposedly strong leader was a ceo and he he embraced this spirit of the network always wins and thought you know we don't need organizational hierarchies i don't need leadership development the right people will find each other and collaborate and that leader was very good at attracting great people but the result was immensely high turnover because people were just frustrated yeah because i think people want to be led i i personally my, my one one of my biggest struggles as a leader was i didn't know how hands off and how hands on i should be and as a very young leader i thought people don't want want me to to in, be involved 
Yeah, I was like, you know, oh, do not micromanage. But, you know, not micromanaging does not mean doing nothing. Uh, it, it's just different. You need to empower, you need to lead. And that, that person I'm referring to was not leading. And that leads to high frustration in the team, high turnover. So I would say there is a very strong correlation between being a strong and effective leader and team success, team turnover, you name it. And maybe the Leadership House, the book, I've written it in the context of a startup founder who also thought of himself as a highly attractive, highly effective leader. And certainly over time in the book, he realizes, well, maybe I was not that effective. Maybe I'm really not as good a leader. And then certainly it's all about, you know, his, him transitioning from, let's say, weak leader to highly effective leader. And that's what the story is about. And although it plays in the, in the startup ecosystem, the framework and, and, and also the, the examples I give in the book, they derive also from my experience working in law firms, working in, in, in publicly traded organizations, because it's, it doesn't matter whether it's a strong team, a small team, a huge organization, uh, it can be a student group. Uh, wherever you need leadership and a thriving team, people look for a system they can follow. That's at least my experience. Well, thank you, Patrick. And um, final words, what would be your advice to all those leaders out there that sometimes find it difficult, frustrating, and sometimes a lonely place? Um, apart from getting the book, could they call, reach out to you? Is there any particular, uh, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah. I mean, certainly, I think probably I would say 95% of the people listening to this podcast know the problem that they don't know where to start and they want to attend courses and read books and, and they're still frustrated. But I think it's still the right thing to do. I think work on your leadership skills. Do not postpone it. I've, I've also published an, an article called Leadership Debt. And I also talk about this topic in the book. Yeah, it's like, you know, with every second, every minute, every day you postpone working on your leadership skills, you incur more debt that you won't see on the balance sheet, but it's get big, getting bigger and bigger. It's incurring interest. And then some point in time when you're in charge of leading people and you cannot, it, the debt is just too much. And the only solution to this is to work on your leadership skills. And there are many books out there that are really helpful. It's not only mine. Mine is about the system, but I think... Yes, working on the leadership skills. And certainly, I'm more than happy if people reach out to me. There's my, my website, patrickflesner.com, where people can reach me. There's also a free online course about, about leadership, also based on the, on, the, on the framework, on the Leadership House framework. They will find it there. Yeah, happy, happy to discuss, happy to talk. Just reach, reach out to me. Yeah. And Patrick, what is your wish for the future? If there was no limitations and um, uh, there was really no no restrictions, what is your wish for more um, for more caring or better future? Is there anything that you would like to see happening as a vision? There's only one wish, and that is peace. 
And there's a long, long time, nothing else that I would wish, just peace. And maybe as a second, I would say peace within ourselves, that we are happy where we are, that we live in the here and now and not in what we want to be, but who we are now and how we can improve. You said something. Do you think we should reverse that? If we have peace within ourselves, probably we have peace around the world. I don't know whether this, the correlation is so strong, but maybe. Maybe, I don't know. Thank you. What a wonderful wish. Uh, peace for everyone, fulfillment and uh, more joy, more love, all of those uh, all of those uh, fruits we discussed about. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today, Patrick. And uh, blessings go out to you and your family and your work. And thank you for being an inspiration and the leaders who care. Thank you so much, Marion. It was really a pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you.